Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2018. This is Simone talking about Step 10. Hi, I'm Simone. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Simone. Uh, my sobriety date is the 18th of August 2002 and my home group is Happy Hour St Kilda Friday nights at 6.30, so we would love to see you come along. Thank you so much, Joe. Um, Joe was an old-timer when I first came in, um, and I used to hang on to her words of wisdom at Paran on Sunday nights, um, and uh, it was so great to, to hear you again. Um, yeah, step 10. I, um, I think first, you know, that, that continued to take personal inventory, and, um, and I don't know if this has been shared already over the weekend, but taking personal inventory and finding out those defects of character like pride, self-centeredness, jealousy, self-pity and all of those things and 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 that concept of, of being hard on yourself. Like, um, I think uh, when I talk to my sponsees, you know, they're like, oh, it's so depressing finding out all of these, these things about myself and I'm like, no, no. Like, it's a joy to be able to see it because the thing with me is that self-centeredness and pride, they're my most prominent defects. They're always lurking under, you know, behind the clouds. And, um, and while they're there, I'll continue to act in particular ways that hurt me and the people around me. Um, and, and having this program, I'm just so grateful that I, that I have this gift of, of being able to access the tools to be able to see them. Because, um, because those, those um, char- character defects cause me pain. And the reason I drank alcohol was because I hated feeling uncomfortable. Um, I would do anything not to feel discomfort, and um, but I didn't even know it. I thought I was just drinking because I was having fun. I thought I was just drinking because I was being social and, and doing my fr- what my friends did. And, um, you know, I, I really thought it was fun. Um, and then when I came to AA and I heard that it's the first drink that gets me drunk and, you know, it's the first drink that's my problem so I can't pick up the first drink. I'm like, okay, I get that. And then I just got all of these overwhelming feelings of terror and fear and, um, and I was a shaking mess for a good year, I reckon. And, but doing the program and I did my fourth step where, I, you know, I, I saw a lot of truths about myself and I saw that I was full of pride and self-centeredness fear of financial insecurity and that sort of thing. And um, and so that was all good, but time went on and, and my, my experience was um, I did a fourth step every year for about the first five years because I couldn't, in that first year, I just couldn't see what I needed to take those big inventories once a year um, because um, as the onions of the layers were peeled away, I was able to access more truth about myself. But um, coming up to now, I do do a tenth step, um, a formal tenth step every night. And I've, that's been a recent thing. Um, it's been over the last year. I got a new sponsor and she said, I want you to email me your tenth step every night. And I was like, oh, all right, okay. Um, I've always journaled, like that, even when I was drinking, I used to keep a journal. So I did that, but it, it wasn't a focused, um, especially my drinking, it was more like, I really like this boy and I want him to like me and I don't like her and, you know, it'd be, it'd be you know, how do I get my own way kind of thing. Um, 
So this, this 10 step that I do every night now, nearly every night, I, I don't do it every single night, but it um, talks about what went well, like I write down what went well, uh, what could I have improved, uh, what am I grateful for, and what fears and resentments came up during the day. And it's been so interesting because like, I started doing this when I was um, 14 years sober, and um, no, I thought I knew myself pretty well. And I'd, I'd, I'd be writing, 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 writing on the, on the computer, obviously. I don't write like that. And I um, and I'd get to the what fears and resentments came up during the day. And some days it would just be, well, this bitch at work. And, and I'd be writing away. And then other times I'd sit there and I'd think, you know what? I don't really think I've had any fears or resentments coming up during the day. But then I've paused and thought, and I'd sat there for ten, uh, you know, five minutes or so, and something would always pop up, and and having that that kind of space where it's not those um, obvious fears and resentments, but things that kind of simmer along, and I kind of don't pay any attention to them during the day because something else comes up, and then you know I get busy. It really having that mo having that that five minutes of reflection um, has revealed a lot to me, and it's revealed to me that um, and I didn't know this until um, about a year ago that I'm actually I actually carry a lot of shame, and um, and and it all it's so funny how it happened like I get my eyebrows tinted right and. Um, and one time I got my eyebrows tinted and I got a facial afterwards. And when they tint my eyebrows, they used to, not anymore, they used to wax just under my eyebrows. Anyway, I had the facial and then afterwards that night I thought, oh, my eyebrows are so sore. And, and it was all red under my eyebrows and, and then it formed scabs. So I rang the, the place and like, my, eye, my eyebrows. And like it was just like, it, it wasn't disfiguring, disfiguring, but it really upset me. But when I went to make that call, like it was because of doing this 10th step, because I was writing about it, I realised that, you know, I was really nervous to ring the, um, the beautician person um, to say that I wasn't happy. And, um, and I was like, why am I feeling like this? Like I've done nothing wrong. Like I've paid my money, I've turned up. Like you shouldn't have scabs under your eyebrows after you get your eyebrows tinted. And, um, but I just... What it, what it revealed to me was like I didn't feel like I was good enough to be ringing up the, the place to be complaining. Now, um, so, like, it, and it, it's such a small thing, but, you know, taking that time and, and having a formal process about it is, is how they, these things are revealed. Um, and that was, you know, that wasn't that long ago. But as a result of finding that, finding out that about myself, I've seen that happen in other instances of my life, and I've been able to to address that and see see it for what it is, rather than making. Because what I do is I make these other stories about things because I don't understand what's actually going on, and I make it their fault. And you know, I I, I just try and um, and construct a different reality to explain what's going on because I haven't seen the truth. But I guess my um, when I first my first experience of, of step 10 was quite pro profound. I um, I had a job and and I hated my boss. Hated her. She was not as intelligent as me. She was unfair. She didn't recognize my brilliance. 
and um, and I wanted I was working part time at the time, and I didn't want to work Wednesday mornings, and she wanted me to work Wednesday mornings. And anyway, we'd, we'd have these fights about everything, and um, and there was I can't even remember what she said, but there was one time I was like, you know what, I cannot take this anymore. But I was a single mum. I didn't have another job lined up, like I needed this job to survive, so I couldn't really quit. And I remember I rang my sponsor and um, and I said, I'm going to quit, I can't take it anymore. And, um, and she said, you can't do that, Simone, she's your boss. And what she says goes. And I'm like, yeah, but she's stupid, she's this. And she just kept on saying, she's your boss, she's your boss, she's your boss. No matter what other story I try to... Uh, make her in the wrong but it doesn't matter Simone she's your boss and she said then before you quit I want you to go and make her a cup of tea and I was like what that bitch I am not making her a cup of tea and um, anyway so my sponsor talked me down and I was like all right I'll make her a cup of tea and so the way that I could do it so the little kitchenette was actually in my boss's office so I went in there and um and I went to the kettle and I said to my, I said, Elizabeth, I'm just making a cup of tea. Would you like one? And I think she nearly fell off her chair. She was like, oh, yes, that would be lovely, Simone. And I made her a cup of tea. And from that moment on, our relationship changed. Um, like, it's, it's quite amazing. Like, I often share this and it always makes me um, a little bit emotional because... We became really good friends and she became uh, one of my biggest advocates and um, and as far as my career has gone, like she, I guess she was, um, you know, one of the instigators that, uh, so subsequently I went on to get another job which she encouraged me to do. I went on and did my PhD and now I have like the, the job of my dreams and um, I was there for her when her husband passed away and um you know i could i she was i remember turning up at the funeral and and i hadn't seen her for probably about 10 months and she was so grateful that i turned up and um then last year i could go to her funeral um yeah so i guess it's just you know that's all because i continued to take personal inventory and i promptly admitted it like my whole life changed around from from that one incident and I have a thousand more where there's just been these little things and and I could take ownership of it and realise it's my self-centeredness that is driving this. It's not them, those and they. It's, it's actually me. And making amends is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be something as simple as making someone a cup of tea. Um, to, to change the dynamics of that push-pull uh, relationship we might have. Um, I guess the... I was going to say something, but I forgot what it was. Um, just by... I think, like, some of these things happen happen naturally, but going back to that that feeling of feeling uncomfortable, like I will do anything not to feel comfortable, uh, to, to, to feel comfortable and get rid of that discomfort, get rid of that anxiety. And so this is a way that I can do it. 
But I also have to be careful not to use it the wrong way because I know that I've been in situations where I have actually done nothing wrong and I'm at loggerheads with someone and we're having an argument or whatever um, and I want to make, I want to say sorry and make amends to fix the situation, to make everything okay, but it's not actually my responsibility. Um, so I also have to be careful of not being over-sorry as well. Um, I can continue con to act in... Um, in love and kindness and compassion towards someone, even if they're if they're wrong, but I don't have to um, pretend that I'm more in the wrong. And and that used to happen a lot with um, my. I used to call him my arch enemy. Now I call him my greatest teacher, the son of my my um, fa the the father of my son. I should say. Um, God, I hated him. I wanted to kill him, um, and. I, uh, you know, my my first five four my first five fourth steps were largely about him. Pages and pages and pages of what he'd done wrong, and um, and and it's really hard sometimes when someone is technically in the wrong. Um, if you know, I used to say, if this went to a court of law, the whole jury would go, "He's wrong, you're right," and and that might be the case, but carrying around the pain and resentment that I felt was um, it still happened whether he was right or you know who, whoever is right or wrong so so I have to be free of that um, but I can't I'm lost, I've lost my train of thought now um, so so yeah he has been my greatest teacher and, and and when I I come across people who who cause me angst one of the things that I um, continue to have to practice is uh, being grateful for them because they're illuminating these character defects and then I can see them. See, when everything's going fine, I have no need for self-search. It feels like I have no need for self-searching because, you know, life is smooth, but just under the surface are these, uh, you know, is this self-centeredness that, that is going to trip me up. Um, and yeah, like I, like I, I said before, the only the only the only way I can sort of stay on top of it is um, to have that formal review every night, um, and that's saying that I did last fourteen years without it. So I guess you don't have to do it, but for me, it's becoming I'm, I'm becoming more and more reliant on it. Um, look, I've kind of run out of things to say, so thanks for listening. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.